in an age long veiled by the fog of history, where superstition held hands with science and the veil between the mundane and the mystical was ever so thin, there existed a medieval town whose soul was as old as the mountains that cradled it. Cobblestone streets snaked through market squares bustling with vendors peddling exotic wares from distant lands. Children played amidst wooden stalls and the laughter of townspeople filled the air, punctuated by the distant clang of a blacksmith's hammer. Encircled by impenetrable forests and cliffs that seemed to scrape the sky, the town was naturally fortified, a sanctuary from the outside world and its myriad dangers. And within this enclosure lived a physician, a woman whose devotion to her craft was surpassed only by the miracles she wrought with her skillful hands. Her apothecary was a place of wonder, filled with glass jars of vibrant herbs, intricate tools, and ancient manuscripts written in tongues long forgotten. The room smelled of earth and roots, the air imbued with an invisible vitality. Here, the sick were healed, the suffering comforted, and the mysteries of medicine passionately explored. Over the years, she had won the trust of not just the common folk but also the aristocrats who usually relied on physicians from larger, more cosmopolitan cities. She had an intuitive understanding of diseases, a talent for diagnosis that seemed to draw upon knowledge deeper than science, perhaps even tinged with the arcane. If the town had a guardian angel, most people would say it was her. She was a fixture of hope and healing, a beacon in the darkest hours. However, even she had her limits, a fact that became cruelly clear when an insidious shadow began to creep over the town. It wasn't just a disease, it was a plague, malignant and relentless, and unlike any recorded in the annals of medicine. Its symptoms were as perplexing as they were terrifying, and they seemed to scoff at the physician's efforts to comprehend them. People were dying, and they were dying in a way that made even the most seasoned elders shudder. It was a crisis that confounded explanation, defeating both reason and remedy. As she delved into her manuscripts and brewed her potions, working tirelessly in the flickering candlelight, the weight of her own inadequacy began to press upon her. But what she did not know then was that the plague was no ordinary illness. It was a malevolent force, birthed from the depths of a dark cult's twisted theology. Her rational world was about to collide with an underworld of fanaticism, a secret society worshipping a deity of disease and decay. And so began the physician's dual quest against an enemy seen and unseen, her every step leading her deeper into an abyss of despair and revelation. But even as the odds stacked against her, even as the walls seemed to close in, she knew she had no choice. The town, her sanctuary and her identity, depended on her, and she would go to any length, risk any danger, to pull it back from the brink. Thus, armed with nothing but her intellect, her indomitable spirit, and a cache of medicines, she prepared to confront the unfathomable. Unbeknownst to her, destiny had etched an arc more twisted than she could ever imagine, an arc that would lead her to truths as perilous as they were enlightening. For in this age of obscurity, where light and shadow danced in eternal struggle, the physician was about to discover that sometimes the greatest enemy comes from within, veiled in the guise of salvation. The first cases were ambiguous, easily dismissed as common ailments, fever, cough, fatigue. But as days turned into nights and back into days, the symptoms mutated into grotesque forms.
skin turned sallow, only to be marred by boils and sores that oozed a dark, viscous fluid. Eyes, once windows to the soul, became clouded with a milky white film, rendering the afflicted virtually blind. What was most unsettling was the swiftness with which the disease progressed. A person who appeared healthy in the morning could be bedridden by noon and reduced to a barely recognizable state by dusk. As the plague fanned out from its enigmatic ground zero, spreading its tendrils through every stratum of society, the atmosphere within the town underwent a drastic transformation. The market squares that once bustled with life grew desolate, the laughter and chatter replaced by an eerie silence. Doors and windows were barred, and the streets lay vacant, as if the very cobblestones had become contaminated. During this time, the physician was a whirlwind of activity. Her apothecary, once a haven of health and learning, became the epicenter of a desperate struggle against an invisible enemy. Jars of herbs and roots were emptied at an alarming rate, concoctions were brewed in cauldrons that bubbled ominously, as if protesting their own impotence. People lined up outside her door, their faces etched with lines of despair, waiting for a cure or even a glimmer of hope. But no matter how many vials she filled, no matter how many poultices she applied, the disease shrugged off her efforts with disdain. Frustration boiled within her, mingled with a growing sense of dread. The parchment on her desk, usually filled with meticulous notes and diagrams, became a graveyard of crossed-out theories and failed experiments. Her analytical mind raced to make connections, to find a pattern amid the chaos. She dissected the symptoms, consulted her vast array of medical manuscripts, even turned to alchemical texts in her desperation. Yet, each road she ventured down led to a dead end. It wasn't just the physical toll of the disease that gnawed at her, it was its insidious impact on the community she had sworn to protect. Trust corroded into suspicion as neighbors avoided eye contact, families were torn apart, and friends were now potential carriers of an unspeakable doom. Rumors proliferated like weeds, some saying that the disease was a divine punishment, others whispering about poisoned wells and cursed lands. The town council, once a body of reason and governance, disintegrated into a cacophony of blame and indecision. Laws were enacted only to be retracted, quarantine zones were established and then abandoned, leaving the people in a state of disoriented panic. Even the local clergy, usually a source of spiritual comfort, fell into disarray, as the invocations and prayers seemed to bounce off the walls of the silent heavens. Despite the growing hysteria, the physician pressed on. Sleep became a distant memory, food and afterthought. Her sole focus was the malady that defied understanding, a riddle wrapped in an enigma. And as the town spiraled further into chaos, the atmosphere thickening with despair, she knew she had to delve deeper, look further, even if it meant venturing into realms she had never before dared to explore. For buried in the heart of this unfolding catastrophe, obscured by the fog of confusion and fear, was a secret so dark it defied comprehension. A secret that would challenge not just her scientific expertise, but the very core of her beliefs. And as she prepared to take that fateful step into the unknown, she had no inkling of the sinister forces arrayed against her, forces that operated in the shadows, thriving on decay and disease. While the town lay shrouded in fear, 
its streets deserted and its hearths dark, the physician's mind was ablaze. Her conviction had solidified into a sharp-edged determination. She knew the plague was unnatural, its roots buried not in physiology alone but perhaps in something far more arcane. It was a frightening conclusion, one that threatened to upend the scientific foundation on which she had built her life. But she couldn't afford the luxury of doubt. She donned her cloak, hiding vials and tools in its many pockets, and ventured into the labyrinthine underbelly of the town, away from the familiar cobblestone streets, away from her revered apothecary, into the dimly lit passages that snaked below the town's surface. These tunnels and catacombs were vestiges of a bygone era, used as hideouts during wars and as repositories for objects best kept out of public sight. The dank air was thick with the musty odor of mold and decaying wood. Cobwebs adorned the corners like tattered drapes, and rats scurried in the darkness, startled by her footfalls. She moved cautiously, guided by flickering torchlight, her senses on high alert. Each step took her deeper into the bowels of the town, further from the world of reason and closer to the realm of the uncanny. And then she found it. Hidden away in a secluded chamber were the unmistakable signs of rituals and incantations. A circle etched onto the ground, filled with an arrangement of bones and ashes, surrounded by symbols she had only seen in her most esoteric manuscripts. There were inscriptions too, written in a script that made her skin crawl, an invocation to a deity associated with decay, rot, and disease. It was a revelation as illuminating as it was chilling. Her eyes widened in horror and realization. She was standing in the epicenter of the plague's genesis. This was no mere outbreak of a pathogenic microbe. It was orchestrated malevolence. Someone had deliberately summoned this abomination, weaponizing dark forces in a bid to bring a deity's twisted will to earth. Her fingers traced the lines of the symbols, her mind racing. What kind of mind would invoke such darkness? What sort of fervor would drive people to unleash hell upon their own community? But such questions, though haunting, were secondary. She had found the source, and that meant she could find a way to stem the tide. She documented everything, the symbols, the arrangement of bones, the inscriptions. Her keen mind absorbed details that might hold the key to countering this dark magic. But even as she gathered this invaluable information, a new kind of fear crept into her consciousness. She was not alone. There were others who knew about this place, individuals steeped in rituals and committed to a cause so ghastly it defied comprehension. She had stepped onto their turf, and her discovery made her a threat, one that had to be eliminated. Slipping out of the chamber as quietly as she had entered, the physician retraced her steps, extinguishing her torch as she emerged back into the night. Her cloak blended into the darkness, her figure merging with the shadows. She knew she had just escalated her mission, transitioning from a healer combating a faceless disease to a warrior pitted against a clandestine cult. It was an uncomfortable role, fraught with peril, but she was resolute. As she made her way back to her apothecary, her mind was already weaving together a plan, formulating hypotheses, and contemplating strategies. There was a cure to be found, a cult to be unmasked, and a town to be saved. But unbeknownst to her, as she left the hidden chamber, 
A second shadow detached itself from the inky darkness, eyes glinting with malevolent intent. The cult had been alerted, and the clandestine war against the physician had officially begun. The cult operated in shadows, always invisible yet omnipresent, like a malignant force that infected the very air. Their allegiance was to a deity ancient and forgotten, a being that thrived on decay, chaos, and disease. To them, the plague was not a tragedy, it was a divine symphony, each death a note in a song of worship that stretched across the veils of reality to touch the ears of their loathsome god. Beneath their mundane lives as tradespeople, servants, and even members of the local gentry, the cultists were bound by a secret oath to bring about the deity's dominion on earth. In their twisted belief system, the plague was the first step, a purifying force that would decimate the town, leaving only the faithful to rebuild it as a citadel of corruption and decay. Once the stronghold was established, the disease would spread like wildfire, an unstoppable torrent that would engulf the world. The cultists saw themselves as heralds of a new era, architects of a reality where the god reigned supreme, where each pestilence was a sacrament and each death a prayer. This was their interpretation of the sacred texts, of the inscriptions and symbols that littered their subterranean sanctuaries. The plague was merely a catalyst, a sign that the time had come to escalate their efforts, to marshal the darker powers at their disposal and prepare for a reckoning. But the physician's discovery had upset their plans. An outsider had penetrated the veil, defiling their sacred space with her ignorance and her audacity. Her meddling was a direct threat to their objective, a complication that could unravel years of meticulous planning. She had become an obstacle that needed to be removed, and the cult was well-versed in the art of elimination. As the physician focused on her research, the cult mobilized. At secret gatherings, they drew lots to determine who would carry out the unholy deed. Ritual daggers were sharpened, incantations were recited to cloak their intentions, and spies were dispatched to track her movements. Plans were made to infiltrate her apothecary, to sabotage her experiments, and, if necessary, to end her life. Yet, despite their unified front, there was discord among them. A faction within the cult was uncomfortable with the accelerated timeline, questioning the wisdom of directly confronting the physician. They argued that the god's will was not to be rushed, that the plague should be allowed to run its natural course. But they were a minority, their caution dismissed by the others as a lack of faith. The consensus was clear. The physician had to be stopped, at any cost. To the cult, the physician represented everything they despised. Her methods were analytical, her worldview rational, her actions driven by compassion and a quest for truth traits that stood in direct opposition to their dogma of chaos and decay. She was an anomaly, a glitch in the fabric of their dark tapestry, and she had to be erased. So, even as the physician raced against time to find a cure, even as she delved into the arcane to counteract the ritualistic origins of the disease, she was blissfully unaware of the eyes that watched her, of the daggers that were being honed, of the noose that was tightening around her. She didn't realize that the real battle had just begun, that her quest for a cure was now a fight for her very existence. Yet, the cult underestimated her, blinded by their own arrogance and fanaticism. For the physician was not just a healer, she was a survivor, 
a warrior armed with intellect and intuition, a woman who had faced death countless times in her quest to preserve life. As both sides prepared for the impending confrontation, one thing was certain, the struggle would be fierce, the stakes immeasurable, and the outcome far from predictable. The physician's days turned into a relentless cycle of urgency. Armed with the grim knowledge she'd unearthed, she worked tirelessly to find a solution, a cure, a weapon, anything to halt the plague's relentless march. Her apothecary was a cauldron of activity. Experimental cures were developed, scrutinized, and then either refined or discarded. All the while, she monitored the town's condition, watching the disease evolve, as if taunting her to keep up. But the plague wasn't her only adversary. Shadowy figures began to encroach upon her life in subtle yet disconcerting ways. Ingredients she needed for experiments went missing from her apothecary. The efficacy of her remedies diminished, as though tampered with. A fire broke out near her work area, fortuitously extinguished before it could spread. Each incident on its own could be dismissed as an unfortunate accident, but together they formed a pattern, one that aligned with her deepest fears. The cult was making its move. Realizing her vulnerability, the physician enlisted the help of trusted allies. Friends from her early years of apprenticeship, colleagues who shared her respect for the scientific method, and even some members of the local militia who still held reason above superstition. They became her eyes and ears, safeguarding her apothecary and helping with the distribution of her remedies. Yet, the more she fortified her physical world, the more she felt the inescapable pull of something darker. The rituals she had discovered, the unholy prayers and eldritch symbols, seemed to beckon her into a different kind of warfare. Each medical failure drew her thoughts toward the unsettling possibility that a purely scientific solution might not be enough. So, she expanded her scope, reluctantly diving into the realm of the arcane. She pored over texts that her rational mind would have scoffed at just weeks earlier, books of law and grimoires, tomes filled with incantations and rites. Though it grated against her training, her reason, her very essence, she knew that she had to explore every avenue. It wasn't long before her dual approach bore fruit. She developed a tonic that seemed to slow the progression of the disease, a mixture of rare herbs, alchemical substances, and something more, an intangible essence derived from a counter-ritual she had found. At the same time, her allies reported unusual activity, cloaked figures meeting in secret, the circulation of cryptic messages among the townspeople, and an unsettling interest in her own movements. Feeling cornered yet emboldened, the physician decided it was time to act. If the cult was drawing their power from dark rituals, then she would have to disrupt those rituals. And if they were plotting against her, then she would have to strike first, to throw them off balance long enough to distribute her new tonic. Carefully, she began to plan her counter-strike, aligning it with the lunar calendar, a time when the cult's power would be at its peak, yet also its most vulnerable. Her allies readied themselves, weapons were sharpened, and traps were set. The town may have been lost in darkness, but for the first time in weeks, the physician saw a glimmer of light on the horizon. As the fateful night drew closer, the physician steeled herself for what was to come. The streets of the town were eerily silent, as though holding their breath, awaiting the clash that would determine their fate.
unbeknownst to her, the cult had also completed their preparations. Their eyes, hidden beneath hooded cloaks, glinted with malevolence as they recited an incantation that would, they believed, seal her doom. Two opposing forces, each convinced of their righteousness, prepared to engage in a struggle that transcended mere flesh and blood. It was a battle for the soul of a town, a clash between light and darkness, reason and fanaticism. Yet, as they each plotted the other's downfall, neither was aware of a third player in this deadly game, a presence that had watched, waited, and planned, its insidious tendrils reaching into both camps with an agenda of its own. Amidst the labyrinthine stacks of the town's arcane library, the physician found a tome that seemed to emanate an aura of both foreboding and promise. Bound in worn leather and sealed with alchemical symbols, the book was an anthology of forbidden knowledge, darker even than the texts she'd reluctantly consulted thus far. It was said to contain both the summation of earthly diseases and the secrets to their annihilation, an encyclopedia of suffering and relief. It took considerable influence and insistence to gain access to this relic. The librarians, a sect of knowledge keepers sworn to protect such volatile wisdom, hesitated. They feared what could happen if such a book fell into the wrong hands, or worse, if its secrets were misapplied. But the desperation in the physician's eyes, coupled with the palpable dread that the plague had draped over the town, tipped the scales. They relinquished the tome, not without warnings of its power and complexity. Within the tome's dense, almost cryptic pages, the physician discovered a section detailing rituals that eerily mirrored the dark practices she'd uncovered. The rites were designed to summon pestilence but were juxtaposed with counter-rituals meant to neutralize them. The book was impartial, offering the keys to both destruction and salvation. And so, with a trembling hand, she copied down the incantations, diagrams, and ingredient lists, translating them into actionable plans. In her apothecary, the physician combined this newly acquired arcane knowledge with her scientific expertise. She created an enhanced version of her tonic, one imbued not just with botanical extracts but also with sigils and spoken charms. This hybrid potion was an amalgamation of her rational mind and the unsettling world she had been pulled into, a remedy that was neither purely scientific nor entirely magical but something in between. The tome, however, offered something else, a glimpse into the nature of the cult's deity. Described as a parasitic entity that fed off suffering and decay, the god's power waxed in the presence of death and waned with the restoration of life. It was a being of imbalance, thriving in the chaos created by its disciples. For the physician, this was the final piece of the puzzle, an understanding of the rules that governed her unseen adversary. Her preparations were nearly complete. Her allies were stationed at key locations to disrupt the cult's activities, while she intended to administer her new tonic to a select group of gravely ill patients. If it succeeded, she would not only save lives but also weaken the deity the cult venerated. It was a high-risk gamble, but it was the best chance they had. Yet, as she finalized her plans, she couldn't shake off a feeling of unease. The tome had been too convenient, its information too perfectly aligned with her needs. Doubts began to creep in. Had she been guided to this tome by some unseen hand? Was her embrace of this dark knowledge a part of some larger, insidious design? 
With these unsettling thoughts, the physician sealed the last vial of her tonic. She was committed, for better or worse, to a path that would either save her town or damn it. The cult, too, sensed that the endgame was near, and their preparations took on a frenetic urgency. Both parties knew that the impending night would be decisive, a culmination of strategies and sacrifices, hopes and fears. As the tome was returned to its sanctified vault in the library, its pages seemed to shimmer for a moment, as though acknowledging the pivotal role it had played. A librarian, shrouded in his ceremonial robes, paused to ponder this, then shrugged it off as a trick of the light. He was wrong, the tome did shimmer, but not with light, with intent. Deep within its ancient pages, inscribed in ink that was not just ink and on parchment that was not just parchment, lay a consciousness that had observed, calculated, and perhaps even influenced the unfolding events. It had waited long for a moment like this, and now, its time had come. The night of the full moon arrived, casting an eerie silver light over the beleaguered town. Both the physician and the cult sensed that their respective destinies would be sealed before the first light of dawn. The atmosphere was thick with both promise and menace, each side bolstered by rituals and remedies, poised to initiate their final acts. In a makeshift infirmary, the physician administered her enhanced tonic to the gravely ill. Each vial was accompanied by a counterspell, a whispered incantation that invoked both the natural and the supernatural, marrying science with the arcane. Her hands were steady, but her heart was a cacophony of conflicting emotions, hope, dread, desperation. Meanwhile, her allies were enacting the second part of her plan. Disguised and armed, they infiltrated key locations around the town, aiming to disrupt the cult's rituals. With each thwarted rite, with each desecrated altar, the cult's power would wane, and the god's influence would diminish. If all went well, the deity would be weakened enough to make the physician's cure more effective. As the night wore on, reports started trickling in. Altars were found and destroyed, dark rituals interrupted, hooded figures captured or dispersed. Yet, the victories came at a cost. The cult was better prepared than they had anticipated, and some of the physician's allies paid the price, sustaining injuries or vanishing mysteriously. The air grew tense, fraught with the weight of impending climax. Finally, as the moon reached its zenith, the physician saw the first signs of success. Patients who were on the brink of death hours before began to stabilize. Their complexions improved, their breathing eased, and the unnatural symptoms of the plague started to abate. The physician felt a surge of cautious optimism. Could it be that the cure was working, that the deity was losing its grip? But just as she was about to declare a tentative victory, the ground beneath her shook with an ominous rumble. From the depths of the earth came a sound, an unsettling mix of growls and chants, like the voice of the abyss itself. The air turned frigid, and shadows seemed to lengthen and twist into grotesque shapes. It was as if the world itself was reacting, rejecting the change in its newfound equilibrium. That's when the physician realized her fatal miscalculation. The cult wasn't just drawing power from the god, they were its lifeline. In weakening the deity, she had triggered a cosmic backlash, a desperate attempt by the entity to reclaim its dominion. Now, 
the tide of battle had turned, and a new, more insidious form of the disease started to manifest, affecting both the cured and the yet-to-be-cured alike. It was a dark turn, a backfire that jeopardized not just her plan, but the very fabric of her town, her world. A ripple of dread passed through her allies, chilling them more effectively than the deepest winter wind. The cult, sensing this shift, grew bold. Emboldened by their gods' retaliatory fury, they took to the streets, chanting incantations that seemed to fuel the plague's resurgence. As the physician stood amid her crumbling dreams, her gaze fell upon the empty vials of her failed cure. She had gambled and lost, and the cost was catastrophic. The weight of her choices, her hubris, her desperate alliance with dark forces, all of it crashed down upon her, leaving her defeated, broken. Or so it seemed, for in that moment, her eyes caught something, a glint of silver, a shard of moonlight that seemed to pierce the heavy dark. It was as if the universe itself was offering her a sign, a final glimmer of hope. Her mind raced back to the tome, to a passage she had dismissed as too risky, too unpredictable. A last resort, gathering what remained of her strength and resolve, she turned to that desperate option. If she was to fail, she would do so while fighting, while striving, while reaching for that elusive light amidst overwhelming darkness. And so, with nothing left to lose, the physician prepared for her final act, unaware that her choice would not only determine the fate of her town but also reveal the hidden player who had been orchestrating these events all along. With the clock ticking toward a grim dawn, the physician mustered the remnants of her courage and conviction. She found herself once again at her apothecary table, laden with arcane symbols and herbs, glass vials and pestles. But this time, she also placed an object she had kept hidden, a small, intricately carved amulet she had found within a concealed pocket of the tome. This was the keystone for the last resort ritual, a ritual so potent it could either vanquish the plague entirely or unleash an even greater calamity. Meanwhile, the cult had gathered in their subterranean lair, an ancient chamber whose walls were inscribed with grotesque frescoes depicting their deity's reign. In the center of the chamber was a pit that seemed to absorb light, an abyss that connected their world to the malevolent realm of the god. As the cult members chanted in increasingly frenetic rhythms, the abyss seemed to grow wider, its darkness almost palpable. The physician began her counter-ritual. As she invoked the incantations, the amulet on the table started to glow, emitting a soft, ethereal light. A sense of equilibrium, however precarious, seemed to be returning to the world. Yet, each uttered syllable felt like a double-edged sword, capable of both mending and tearing the fabric of reality. It was a precarious dance on the knife edge of existence. Simultaneously, her allies launched a surprise attack on the cult's lair. They broke through the illusory barriers and wards, fighting their way into the chamber. A chaotic melee erupted, blades and spells clashing in a maelstrom of noise and fury. But the cultists were ready, and they fought with the desperation of cornered animals, empowered by the nearness of their god. It was an evenly matched, devastating conflict, the outcome of which remained uncertain. As the ritual neared its climax, the physician felt a force resisting her, a malevolent will striving to unmake her efforts. She realized that she was directly challenging the deity, 
engaging in a metaphysical struggle that transcended the physical world. Sweat trickled down her forehead, her hands trembled, but she pressed on, her voice unwavering as she reached the final words of the incantation. The moment arrived, a shockwave of unseen energy pulsed from the amulet, cascading through the town like a divine sigh. In the cult's lair, the abyss shuddered, contracting like a wounded creature. The fighting ceased, all eyes turning toward the shrinking void. And then, with a sound like the breaking of cosmic chains, it closed, leaving nothing but solid stone where an abyss had been. Back in the infirmary, the patients began to stir, their vitality returning as the plague symptoms faded like a nightmare at dawn. The town breathed a collective sigh of relief, albeit a wary one. The physician collapsed into a chair, drained but elated. Against all odds, it seemed they had won. The deity was banished, its plans thwarted. The cult was either captured or scattered, their influence broken. Yet, as the first light of dawn crept over the horizon, something unexpected happened. The tome, safely ensconced in its vaulted chamber, seemed to glow. It wasn't a glow of triumph or defeat, but of fulfillment, of purpose realized. For in the intricate network of possibilities, outcomes, and intentions, it had achieved its objective, and in doing so, revealed its true nature. For the tome was neither an artifact of good nor evil, neither a weapon nor a shield. It was a catalyst, an agent of change designed to set events in motion, to challenge the status quo, to push its wielders toward choices they wouldn't have otherwise made. It was a crucible of revelation, and the physician was its latest, unwitting subject. Her cure, her struggle, her desperate dive into forbidden knowledge had all been part of a test, one that neither she nor the cult were aware of. As she stared at the dawn, a smile of weary triumph on her lips, she failed to notice a new symbol, faint but indelible, now etched onto her palm, a twin to the one on the amulet, a permanent testament to her chosen path. Unbeknownst to her, a similar symbol appeared on the palms of the remaining cult members. The god might be banished, but they had also passed a test of sorts, had also been branded by the tome's indomitable will. The deity of decay might be defeated, but the seeds for its eventual return were sown, subtly embedded in the tapestry of events, waiting for the next catalyst to unleash them. The tome, its role fulfilled for now, rested, but its pages would open again someday, for another reader, in another crisis. It was but one chapter in an ongoing saga, one that defied simple notions of heroes and villains, one that would continue to unfold in ways no one could predict. And so, as the town began the long process of healing and rebuilding, somewhere in the depth of the library, the ancient consciousness within the tome slumbered, dreaming of the stories yet to be written. As days turned into weeks, the physician threw herself into the reconstruction of the town. The populace, once cowed and terrified, found new strength in unity and shared triumph. People started to rebuild homes, businesses reopened, and a general sense of normalcy began to emerge from the depths of despair. The cure seemed to have lasting effectiveness, with no signs of the plague resurfacing. But even as the town celebrated its newfound peace, the physician found herself restless. The symbol etched onto her palm, mirroring the one on the amulet, 
became a constant reminder of the unknown still lurking at the fringes of her understanding. It was a scar that tickled her curiosity, a mystery that called to her even in her most content moments. One evening, when the demands of the day had been met, and the sun was sinking into a golden horizon, she found herself drawn back to the hidden chamber where the tome was kept. The book was as she had left it, its pages still filled with cryptic text and diagrams. But now, something was different. The tome seemed to beckon her, and as she opened its pages, she found herself able to read sections that were previously incomprehensible. The revelation was staggering. The tome revealed its ancient origins, crafted by an order of cosmic librarians whose role was to monitor and influence the multiverse. It was not merely a book, but a living entity programmed to enact change, challenge stability, and provoke growth. The trials it presented were not moral judgments but evolutionary pressures, designed to catalyze development in societies and individuals alike. But what shook the physician to her core was the realization that the tome had myriad counterparts, each situated in a different time and place, each working to shape its surroundings in unpredictable ways. And more perturbing was the implication that the so-called deity worshipped by the cult was itself an evolutionary pressure, albeit a destructive one. Both she and the cult, in their struggle against each other, had moved the cosmic needle, so to speak, albeit in opposing directions. The symbol on her palm, and by extension on the palms of the surviving cult members, was a badge of engagement in this cosmic process. They were all unwitting agents in a grander scheme, pawns and players in a game that transcended their limited understanding of the world. It was humbling and exhilarating, an expansion of her worldview that invited more questions than it answered. Most people would be disturbed or disoriented by such a revelation, but the physician felt an odd sense of relief. For all the horrors she had faced, for all the ethical lines she had crossed, she had engaged with a process larger than herself. She had contributed to the unfolding tapestry of cosmic events in ways she couldn't fully comprehend. Yet, she couldn't shake off a lingering sense of disquiet. If the tome and its counterparts were instruments of change, what did that mean for the concept of free will? Were they all fated to play their roles in this grand scheme, or did they genuinely have a choice? And if the deity of decay could be considered an evolutionary pressure, what other gods, benevolent or malevolent, might be influencing the fabric of reality? These questions haunted her as she left the chamber, locking it behind her. She was no longer the same person who had first opened that tome. She was a part of something unimaginably larger, and with that recognition came both liberation and a newfound sense of responsibility. But even as she pondered these mysteries, somewhere far away, another counterpart of the tome opened its pages for a new reader. Another cycle began, and the cosmic librarians, keepers of this grand, unfathomable library, added a new chapter to the ongoing story of existence. In the wake of these startling revelations, the town continued its trajectory toward recovery. But for the physician, the path was far from straightforward. She had always been an individual governed by rationality and empirical evidence, and the otherworldly information divulged by the tome forced her to reassess her understanding of reality. Her nights were consumed by research and contemplation, her days marked by a detachment that did not go unnoticed by the community. Soon, 
the town started witnessing a series of peculiar events. Crops thrived in fields that had long been barren. Animals once thought extinct appeared at the edges of the forest. Even the weather seemed unusually benign, as if the natural world itself was undergoing a transformation. These anomalies confounded the town's elders and sparked debates among scholars, but for the physician, they were signs, signs that the cosmic equilibrium had been altered. But change, even when beneficial, breeds its own kind of chaos. The newfound prosperity led to disputes among neighbors, the arrival of outsiders attracted by tales of the town's miracle cure, and a disturbing rise in incidents of greed and opportunism. The very unity that had saved the town during its darkest days began to fracture. The physician knew she couldn't ignore these developments. The same tome that had granted her the knowledge to combat the plague had also entangled her in a web of responsibilities she couldn't easily shed. The symbol on her palm served as a constant reminder that her role in this unfolding drama was far from over. Realizing that her insights could offer a path forward, she began to discreetly apply her newfound understanding of the cosmic order. Small interventions here and there, mediating disputes using wisdom from the tome, suggesting agricultural techniques gleaned from its pages, even subtly manipulating local weather patterns through rudimentary rituals, created a series of positive outcomes that helped stabilize the community. But for each action taken, the symbol on her palm seemed to glow more intensely, as if cautioning her about the delicate balance of forces she was tampering with. The physician understood that every intervention had consequences, often unforeseen, in the grand tapestry of existence. And yet, the urge to use her knowledge for the betterment of her community was compelling. Amidst this internal turmoil, news arrived that a neighboring town was now facing its own mysterious epidemic. The physician was faced with a dilemma. Should she intervene, potentially exposing her community to new risks but possibly saving countless lives? Or should she hold back, preserving the hard-won stability of her town but leaving others to fend for themselves? After much contemplation, she chose to act. Equipped with vials of the cure and escorted by a handful of volunteers, she set out for the neighboring town, her heart heavy but resolute. As she crossed the boundary that separated the two communities, she felt a peculiar sensation, as if passing through an invisible veil. The symbol on her palm flared briefly, then settled. Upon her arrival, she was met with a scene eerily reminiscent of her own town's recent past, sickened families, desolate streets, and an atmosphere thick with despair. Wasting no time, she administered the cure, educated local healers, and took steps to isolate the afflicted. Slowly but surely, the neighboring town began to recover, its citizens casting her as a savior, a miracle worker who had emerged from legend. But the physician knew better. Every action had its price. Even as she returned to her town, hailed as a hero once again, she could not shake the feeling that the scales of cosmic equilibrium had tilted once more. And somewhere, in the depths of her mind, she heard the metaphorical turning of a page, as if the tome was chronicling this latest chapter in her life, adding another layer of complexity to a story that was far from concluded. As months passed, the two communities began to weave themselves back into the fabric of a somewhat ordinary life. Buildings rose from their ashes, children returned to their studies, and markets brimmed with commerce and chatter. 
In both towns, monuments were erected to commemorate the triumph over the deadly plague. The physician's face immortalized in sculptures and paintings, her deeds recounted in songs and tales. She had become a figure of legend, her influence expanding beyond the boundaries of her immediate world. Yet within her, a quiet storm brewed. The events and revelations of the past continued to unsettle her, though outwardly engaged in the manifold duties and responsibilities that came with her newfound status, she found her thoughts increasingly drawn to the mysteries that still lay unanswered. The symbol on her palm seemed to have dimmed somewhat, but it was never far from her thoughts, as if waiting for something. A sense of balance had returned to her own town, a harmony that seemed almost too perfect. Her interventions had borne fruit, but she was aware that equilibrium was an intricate dance. A constant tension existed between her wish to intervene for the greater good and her understanding of the cosmic laws that warned against excessive manipulation. In the neighboring town, her cure had worked miracles but had also altered the natural course of life and death in ways she couldn't predict. People who should have been long gone thrived, and with them grew new ideals, new ambitions, and new conflicts. It was as if her interference had set off a chain of events that rippled through the very essence of existence, unsettling the invisible frameworks that governed reality. While the physician was an active participant in her community's affairs, advising on everything from agriculture to governance, she also withdrew periodically to study the tome her only source of guidance in navigating the perplexing landscape she found herself in. The book remained an enigma, its contents shifting and morphing, revealing new insights while obscuring others. It was a constant struggle to distill actionable wisdom from its arcane pages. As time passed, the physician began to discern patterns within the complexities, inklings of a larger design. She experimented cautiously, applying minor adjustments to her strategies and observing the outcomes. Gradually, she started to gain a rudimentary understanding of how to balance her actions against the cosmic scales, a skill that would be tested sooner than she could have imagined. Reports started coming in of strange phenomena beyond the two towns, forests where the trees whispered secrets, lakes that reflected not the sky but other worlds, animals that spoke in riddles. It was as if the veil separating the mundane from the magical had been torn, allowing the two realms to bleed into one another. In that moment, the physician realized that her journey was far from over. Whatever cosmic game she had become a part of was reaching a critical juncture. As the symbol on her palm flickered back to life, brighter than it had ever been, she prepared herself for whatever challenges lay ahead. But as she braced for a new set of trials, she found herself wondering whether the relative peace they were enjoying was a true recovery or merely the calm before a far greater storm. As the eerie occurrences beyond the towns escalated, the physician felt a mounting urgency. The communities she had saved were not islands. They were part of a larger world teetering on the brink of inexplicable changes. The threads of her own destiny seemed to be intertwining with an even grander tapestry, one that encompassed not just her town or its neighbor, but possibly the world itself, or worlds, if the tome's insinuations about a multiverse were to be taken seriously. Using her newfound understanding of cosmic balance, she set forth to investigate these anomalies. In each instance, she found distortions, places where the fabric of reality seemed unnaturally twisted, 
Each intervention required a delicate touch, an adjustment here, a redirection there. Yet with each successful resolution, her confidence grew. She was learning to tread the fine line between intervention and interference, and for a time, it seemed as though the chaos was subsiding. Meanwhile, the town she called home flourished in her periodic absence. Leaders rose from among the populace, inspired by her example yet independent in their governance. Her teachings had taken root, and a collective wisdom seemed to guide the community. Even the neighboring town, now fully recovered from its own brush with disaster, sent emissaries expressing gratitude and friendship. It was during one such diplomatic visit that the physician felt a strange sensation, like a subtle shift in the atmosphere. She excused herself and retired to her study, where the tome was kept. Upon opening it, she found new pages filled with text and images, as though the book had been waiting for this very moment to unveil its latest chapter. She read of cycles and seasons, of cosmic waves that ebbed and flowed across dimensions. She read of agents like herself, guardians, the tome called them, who arose in times of crisis to restore balance. Most astonishingly, she read of convergences, rare moments when multiple realities aligned, creating ripples of potent possibilities. It was becoming clear that one such convergence was nearing, and her role as a guardian was to prepare her world for this monumental event. With renewed purpose, the physician shared her findings with the community's leaders. Preparations were made, rituals designed, and on a night when the skies were alight with celestial phenomena not seen for generations, they enacted a collective ceremony, a plea for balance and guidance as they navigated the uncertain waters of the convergence. As the ritual reached its climax, the symbol on the physician's palm shimmered and transformed, morphing into a more intricate design. She felt a surge of energy, a connection to something ineffable and vast. All around her, the people felt it too, a pulse of warmth, a wave of inexplicable but comforting assurance. As dawn broke, it was clear that something fundamental had changed. The town, the people, even the natural world around them seemed to vibrate with a new kind of harmony. But it was more than that. It was as if the veils between realities had grown thinner, allowing for a clearer vision of the possibilities that lay ahead. Emboldened by this experience, the community committed itself to stewardship, not just of their town, but of the balance between worlds. Under the physician's guidance, they began to explore the newfound potential that the convergence had unlocked, cautiously but optimistically venturing into territories that blurred the lines between science and magic, reason and intuition, reality and dream. And as for the physician, her journey had reached a critical juncture. She knew that her role as a guardian was part of a larger, ongoing story, one that was far from concluded. As she opened the tome once again, its pages blank and waiting, she understood that the pen was now in her hands. With a mixture of awe and anticipation, she began to write, setting the stage for a new dawn and a multitude of suns yet to rise. Just as the physician settled into this new era of peace and potential, she received an unexpected visitor. An outsider, cloaked and shrouded, arrived at the town's boundary. Sensing something unusual, the symbol on her palm flared with a sudden intensity, urging her to approach this stranger with caution. As the figure drew near, 
she felt a peculiar resonance, a mirror-like echo of her own energies. The stranger produced a tome, identical in appearance to the one she had been using, and opened it. The pages contained variations of events she recognized, but with outcomes and perspectives she had not considered. The symbols, the rituals, the cosmic laws, all seemed simultaneously familiar and foreign. She looked up, her eyes meeting those of the stranger. It was in that moment that a terrible understanding flooded her mind, delivered through the silent connection their similar tomes had established. The visitor was a guardian too, but from another reality, one of countless others existing in parallel to her own. This guardian had followed a path much like hers, driven by the same cosmic responsibilities, the same ethical struggles. However, in that reality, the interventions had not brought balance, they had caused catastrophe. The shocking revelation followed, the convergence had not merely aligned her world with other realities, but had also fused their fates. Her successful intervention had created a counterweight, a shadow consequence that had thrown the other Guardian's world into chaos. This Guardian had come seeking answers, a solution to restore their own failing reality, but had arrived too late. Their world had already fractured beyond repair, collapsing into a cascade of entropy and decay. She felt an unspeakable sorrow, a guilt magnified by the knowledge that her triumph had come at the cost of another's failure. The scales of cosmic balance had maintained their equilibrium, but in a way she had never imagined, her world's gain was another's devastating loss. The stranger closed their tome and turned to leave, their eyes carrying the weight of a reality's last hope extinguished. As they stepped across the boundary that separated the two worlds, a final thought echoed between them. The role of a guardian was not just to save a world but to balance countless others, a task of unimaginable complexity and profound moral ambiguity. As the stranger vanished, the symbol on the physician's palm shifted once again, taking on an even more complex form, one that echoed with the silent cries of a world lost and a challenge yet to be met. As she reopened her tome, new pages had appeared, filled with complex equations of cosmic cause and effect, layered with ethical dilemmas that defied easy solutions. Returning to her community, the weight of this revelation bore heavily upon her. She had envisioned her story as one of triumph against overwhelming odds. But now, she saw it as but a single chapter in an unimaginable saga, a tale not of endings, but of eternal cycles, of choices and consequences that rippled across realities. Her journey as a guardian was far from over, it had merely evolved into something more intricate and infinitely more challenging. The dawn she had heralded was but one of many, in one of countless worlds. And for each world saved, the balance demanded its price, a truth she would carry with her as she ventured into this new, uncertain phase of her guardianship. As she looked down at the ever-changing symbol on her palm, she understood that it was both a gift and a curse, a reminder of the unbearable lightness and darkness of her chosen path.